2: Radio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin.
0: And I'm Eric.
2: And tonight, we've got another another amazing guest for you. Uh, her, she goes by Lady Anne. Lady Anne was born with the paranormal in her blood. She has had experiences beginning with her earliest memories from ghosts, shadow entities, Sasquatch encounters, and more. She is a Reiki master, intuitive tarot reader, and vampire witch who loves to dive into the spiritual realm. So without further ado, we're going to go straight to the line with Lady Anne. Lady Anne, welcome to Paratruth Radio. How are you doing this evening?
3: I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.
2: So we wanted to bring you on because you've written one book. You actually just came out with another book as well, I believe, correct?
3: Actually, I just signed a contract for a second book that will come out around January, February next
2: year. Okay, so um, you were recommended to us from Cat Ward uh, just because she said <laughs> you were an amazing guest, and you know, reading through your your first book, um, it was it was super interesting to see your life in the paranormal so far. But before we kind of delve into all of that, what inspired you to start writing about these things that have been happening to you in your life?
3: Well, originally, I was thinking about my children and I wanted to write everything down just because, you know, I continue to have experiences in my life. And as they have grown, they have also had these experiences in their life. And as I have shared my experiences with others, I see that it really facilitates healing because it really lets other people know hey, we're not alone here and I'm not crazy. And so when I began to write, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to leave this behind for my children. This is something for them, you know, in case anything was to ever happen to me, they would have that here and they would have, you know, that connection uh, to me and my life and, and my history. Well, I had always wanted to be a writer since I was about six years old. And then I realized, okay, well, I I could show this to the publisher and see what they think, and that's what I did, and they absolutely loved it. They were like, oh, we want it. We would love to publish you, and uh, I was like, okay, uh, here we go. Childhood dreams coming true. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I I I always think about this, but I guess reading through your book, it it just... (laughs) It it, it triggered just like the thought in in regards to people who write bios, um, how do you remember like so much of your past as you're writing? Do you have you taken notes or like journaling throughout the throughout over the years or is it kind of uh, just your best remembrance of whatever was happening at the time with, with all the detail?
3: Well, um it's one of those things where it was so different, my life was so different growing up from anybody else. And because it was so different, it was kind of yes, it was cool, but it was also scary. And so those types of things really stand out. Every little detail stands out because you're you're wanting to be able to tell your story, you want to reach out to somebody. And you're also scared like am I crazy? But Here you are with other people, which really that was a saving grace uh, throughout my life is that most of my experiences, I always had somebody else right there with me. Mm -hmm. So then we were also able to, you know, compare notes, if you will.
0: Okay.
2: Something I found fascinating uh, at the very beginning of your book in the preface, you talk about your earliest memory being around one, one and a half years old. Um, Mm -hmm. now not too many people can remember that far back. So my question to you is, is this a memory that eventually came to you or did like somebody describe this memory to you?
3: No. So I remember it's, gosh, how do I, (laughs) I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, it's it's my own memory. and I, and okay. I remember being with my father and and him taking me to the babysitter's house, and he sat me there in front of this big, beautiful picture window. and it it really like the scenery was so beautiful because here the sun was rising it was looking out these uh, flooded farm fields and the colors were vibrant, you know, so of course you're so young and you're like, oh, wow, you know, look at these colors and you're in awe. But I remember distinctively sitting there and just having this thought, wow, I came back. But then my i don't have a lot of other memories between then and and you know some other like mundane stuff sitting outside with my grandma as she was raking the leaves under this beautiful maple tree and i was probably like 5 at the time you know so
0: well now one thing that i've noticed over the years is how many of us who kind of traverse the paranormal Um, it always begins most cases with kind of a horrifying event, something that just kind of spooks us. And at the same Mm -hmm. time, you you would think that's something I know, like a lot of people who are new to the paranormal or new to like, listening to our show, like, well, wouldn't that normally like scare you away from looking into what ghosts Mm -hmm. are and the creepy stuff, you know, but instead it draws us all in. So Early on, like, was it something, your experiences, was it something that initially kind of pushed you away and you didn't want to know? Or was it immediate, like, I need to know more, and you just got sucked in?
3: <laughs> wow. Well, actually, see, in the beginning, I kind of thought that it was just normal, everyday life, because I remember being in my crib, looking through the little slats down the hallway at this wall, and everybody was already asleep, and I could see these shadow entities you know, you'd see a hand just wrapped around the corner and it was a shadow hand. You could see uh, like a cloaked figure standing there. And I just thought that this was something that came along with nighttime, mm-hmm. but nothing ever came into my room. So I was like, okay, so I'm safe. This is my room there, you know, part of the night in the darkness out there. So I was able to, I guess, um, be okay with that. And then it was, you know, I was really interested in it. And I am one of my big regrets. I'm sure people will cringe when they hear this. I had um, the, there were the time life books, the the black ones that have like psychic powers and and all of that, that are Mm -hmm. super collectible. And you see people, if they get a set, they're like, oh yes, I found these. Mm -hmm. Well, I had collected these because, you know, we went to the antique stores. My father was into the antique business. And I was about 14 when I decided to make a Ouija board out of paper and a TV tray. Nothing really happened that evening, but consecutively after I had done this, each night there was this presence that became heavier and heavier. And the crescendo was when one night I was laying in bed and I remember feeling this presence on the right side of my bed. And in my mind, I could. I knew that it was a male. Again, it seemed like one of those cloaked figures. It was like maybe I I broke a barrier or something by doing the Ouija board, and these things were now able to enter my room. And I remember distinctively feeling hands holding down my legs in bed, right where my knees are. Just right. I mean, it, it's <laughs> it's crazy to think about because um, it was so real, as real as you and I, mm-hmm. and. I was so scared that as I laid there in bed, I was like, okay, don't, don't open your eyes. Don't breathe. Just try not to move anything at all. And eventually I pass out and I wake up the next morning and I'm just kind of stunned. And I'm like, gosh, did that really happen? Is it my fault? So of course I go and I run to tell my grandfather and that's when I took everything all those books my pendulums that I had my crystals that I had and we threw them away so (laughs) you know and I was terrified absolutely terrified and I think that I took a break for a while and my father ended up going to healing group and when he invited me to healing group that's when everything changed it was like you know, like what we're doing right now, but here I was 15 and there's all these people that are much older than me. They're educated. They have all this knowledge and it was fascinating. And they were Reiki practitioners and um, you know, massage therapists and, and naturopaths and all this stuff. So then I definitely, it was like the universe was like, okay, we're going to take a break here, but we're going to pull you back in deeper than you ever were. (laughs)
2: So this is actually something that kind of touches close to Eric and I. Um, and, and it seems like a lot of people, when they use a Ouija board, especially as a kid, um, you know, now I think about a Ouija board and I think, you know, it. it's, it's a tool just like anything else. Um, mm-hmm. But as kids, you're led to believe it's a game. So in in your opinion, do you think that's kind of why we kind of have these negative um, experiences as kids using a Ouija board compared to being an adult?
3: I do. I agree with that because as an adult now going through, you know, healing group and becoming a Reiki master and everything, you learn how to protect yourself spiritually as a kid you don't know about any of that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, you're opening yourself up to a lot of different things to um, if you, if you don't properly use these tools.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think, well, okay. So we have a lot of people ask us, uh, we actually just did uh, we're a guest in someone else's podcast a couple of weeks ago, who, who was kind of talking to us about the paranormal and trying to understand it because she really didn't know anything about it. Um and one thing, like growing up, I, I've always, like, we had horror movies, we watched X-Files as a family, you know, so like the whole idea of the paranormal and monsters always existed, at least in a fictional sense to me, uh, mm-hmm. which means as a kid, I mean, it still happens now, but you know, you let your mind run wild, uh, and it can kind of open up doors uh, into these other realms or for these other spirits uh, to show up or walk through. But do you think that if you're a child who doesn't have access to some of this media that would typically show you some of these monsters or ghosts that exist, do you think they would still be open to or still have the Mm. the ability to open that door to this other world? Or do you think uh, that the mind doesn't really play into it as much? It's just, you know, it's a fact. It's there. And if you play with Boys boards, it's going to potentially open something.
3: So Okay. Let's see. My, my answer is <laughs> a little complicated.
0: Okay.
2: Uh,
3: I believe that um, to a certain extent it could, however, in my belief, when we come here, so you have your soul that splits up into four parts to stay behind is the higher self, the other two incarnate here on earth. And that's where you can get your twin flame from. Well, as we come here, I believe that we sign up, we do soul contracts. So there are certain things that we are supposed to experience while we're here to kind of help raise our own vibrations as well as our soul group's vibration. So, you know, and then if you look at things generationally as well, uh, some of us may be uh, predisposed to having these abilities because of you know, our ancestors. So who are our ancestors, number one? And number two, what did we sign up for when we came here?
1: Interesting.
2: So this is going to come off as weird for me because I've never heard of this before. (laughs) But in your bio, you talk about being a vampire witch. Now, what does that entail? Like, where did you get that title from?
3: Well, actually, so uh, I ended up getting my fangs, I have actual fangs that were made for me by Father Sebastian. He okay. is, uh, you know, uh, of the, the, the saber tooth clan, he yep. uh, makes, gosh, he's made fangs for a long time, and he just started making uh, 3D printed fangs. He wrote several books, one of which is called The Black Veils. And in there, it talks about being a vampire witch. Pretty much, it is those of us within the vampire community who identify as a witch and don't believe in being boxed in society's confines of what a woman should be. We embrace our femininity and being witches.
2: Okay.
0: So in terms of the vampire community, I'd imagine that that splits into several branches. you know, you have, we had, there's, I know here in Cleveland, Ohio, there's actually underground Mm -hmm. bars where people who actually enjoy meeting up with others and drinking each other's blood exists, which is odd to me. I didn't know that existed (laughs) until like eight years ago when it showed up on uh, Fox TV, uh, the -hmm. the news channel. But then we also have Mm -hmm. psychic psychic vampires as well. And of course, Mm -hmm. it branches out. So is, is the vampire group kind of like, Anyone who identifies as a vampire, regardless uh, of what that is to them, or what that looks like to them, or is it a little more uh, closed, like a more of a closed circle?
3: Um, I mean, definitely. Like, I'm so yeah. You have your your psychic vampires, and then what you were mentioning was the sanguines. Mm-hmm. I have never met a sanguine vampire before. I am not one. Okay. Um, so basically, yeah. It's do you identify? With being a vampire. And if you if you do, if that's your calling, then then that is uh what you are. Got
2: it. So let me ask you this then. Um the reason for the fangs then, if you're not a sanguine vampire, is it just because you identify as a vampire and that's kind of like the sign?
3: Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, the the whole aesthetic is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, You know, look at the way that they dressed. Look at the fangs, the hair. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people do the contacts and everything. So, yeah.
2: Right, right. Well, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I love seeing people with the fangs and the whole get up on. I was just kind of (laughs) curious.
3: Right. Of course.
0: So when, it, I mean, when it comes to um, being a witch, like where do you, again, witchcraft is one of those things that has so many branches and depending on right. uh, what your beliefs are and stuff. So do you find yourself being more eclectic or do you, do you have a more of a guided path when, when you're practicing? Mm.
3: You know, it's so funny uh, because a lot of people ask me, so are you a witch? Are you a witch? Mm-hmm. But I've, it's, how do I answer that? Um, I, I don't prescribe to any specific path. Uh, there's also something called a chaos magician. Mm-hmm. It's somebody that believes in all these different things and kind of picks and chooses what they use for me, I really believe that it's a. Uh, what is right in the moment? What is the universe calling you to do in the moment? So maybe today I am doing candle magic and the other time I'm doing a ritual bath or I'm, you know, playing with my tarot cards, you know, what have you. So it's just kind of, I call it universe guided.
0: Okay. So it's really just depends on the day and the situation, how you're feeling, all of that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've noticed like more and more uh, people, as I do research and as I meet individuals who are into witchcraft, they kind of are more and more leaning towards the chaos magic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I feel like a lot of people don't want to be held down anymore by a specific set of rules or you know rituals or whatever. Right. Whether you're a fire witch or a hedge witch, etc., um, is just more freedom behind it, I guess. Uh, yes. Do you think? I mean, I don't know. I, I guess. Do you think that there's a certain type of power behind chaotic magic that is more? Oh, is it? Is it more more empowering? More eye opening? Uh, being able mm. to test all these different, you know, different ways of spell casting.
3: I think that you are not. You're not confined. You're not put in a mm-hmm. box. You're able to really free yourself listen to your intuition listen to the universe and i think that uh magic goes a lot further that way because here again it's all about intention
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know and the energy and so yeah i i agree okay.
2: you brought up a ritual bath and so i have a question on this because usually mm-hmm. uh wh- whenever i i'm taking a bath it's to cleanse and meditate and, and, um, just center myself now for a ritual bath. Is there more to it than that? Or is it just really, you know, setting your intention? Can you explain that a little bit? Mm.
3: Yeah. So in ritual baths, you can actually get, um, different soaps There's, You can get a bar soap, you can get, uh, you know, the, like shower gel kind of stuff that comes with different herbs inside of it. So, you know, you might get one that is for uh, uncrossing, you know, to get rid of a a hex or a curse or, you know, what have you. You might have one that you're wanting uh, good luck. So you're, you know, showering with this and your intention is that you are drawing up that luck to you. Um, you can also just a a cleansing where you're wanting to just cut because as we go through the day and as we interact with people, people do, we end up with attachments. It's just kind of what Mm -hmm. happens. Our energy meshes, we're all one. So in a ritual bath, it's always really good to as well, cut those cords. Just imagine that those cords are falling away from you as you're, you know, as the shower is just washing over you. So yeah, it's just uh, you know, your intention, what is it that you want to manifest?
2: So it could be a, literally a, a spell as you as you're bathing.
3: Uh-huh, yes.
0: I think it's interesting like every time we talk to somebody who's new uh to to witchcraft or even to the idea of it, they think it's very intricate. And yes, there are intricate spells, but there's there's also things that are just so simple and not mindless but you don't have to worry so much about um mm-hmm. like personally i i actually use activated charcoal in the shower as a way to cleanse the day after, after mm-hmm. i come home uh you know and aside from that you know obviously I have the smudging kits and i, I do various right. candle rituals here as well but uh you know it, it's a it's just as you said it's that easy to, to come home and just know when you when you wash when you bathe, whether it's shower, bath, whatever. It's just the idea of rinsing. Uh, And and it's really a Mm. lot of just the mind. It's the intention. I think a lot of people think, oh, an intention means, you know, you have to put it into a fancy, into fancy words Mm. that rhyme or whatever, (laughs) have some sort of meaning behind them. Uh, But it's really just focusing that energy. uh, Whether you say the words out loud or not is really up to the individual. Exactly. But it it doesn't have to be crazy uh, intricate, like so many people (laughs) think it is. Which is really, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, we we, they watch movies like The Craft and stuff like that growing up, Mm. and so they Mm -hmm. get this idea behind what uh, witchcraft might be or should be according to Hollywood. But Hollywood, despite occasionally being pretty spot on, are usually pretty well off uh, of the mark. Um, Do you find that when you have Uh, individuals that you that you encounter uh, do you find that you have to lead some of them into like directing them into a better way of their practice or understanding the practice does does anyone Mm. come to you and say hey uh, I've been trying this and you realize oh that's you shouldn't be trying it that way it's not it's not going to work
3: well hmm so, I, I've definitely had people come to me, but they haven't necessarily said, Well, this is what I've been trying. Um, it's more so the what would you do? Mm-hmm. How would you do it? And I don't think that I would necessarily tell anybody that they were ever doing anything wrong because here again, as long as you allow yourself to be open to the universe. And you just go with your intuition. You, you're not going to be wrong. You know, if, if you just trust yourself, trust the intention. And I mean, the number one thing, the number one thing is you have to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in what you're doing, it's not going to work.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Eric, it's funny you bring up the craft because I just saw a picture of Farouza Balk, who played Nancy Downs in the craft. And all I could think to myself is, oh my god, she looks so old. <laughs> and I, I feel I'm old and feel old, so I'm like, that is saying a lot for my own age too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I, I didn't e I didn't bring up the title of the book and, and forgive me for that, but uh Aperture in the Veil, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a, a very um whimsical and, and powerful title because not only because of the title itself, but because you identify as a vampire, witch. I'm like, gosh, that sounds like something that you would hear from way back in the day. So (laughs) is that something that kind of inspired you for that title or,
3: you know, I, so growing up in the antique business with my dad, um, I've definitely been told I have an old soul and I do love, all things antique, you know, especially antiquated words. (laughs) So I, you know, and of course, anything Victorian. So I I did kind of look up, I mean, I was like Victorian words, antiquated words. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got to thinking, you know, aperture in the veil would be so perfect because I I used to want to do photography my father did photography and so did my mom she actually would win awards at the at the fair for her macro photography well um, you know they say that when we're born we pass through the veil right like it washes over us and we come into the great forgetting but because of my very first memory because I sat there and I said wow I came back I thought okay What if there was an opening in the veil when some of us come through? And I, of course, I didn't want to just use the word opening. (laughs) So aperture was perfect.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now, it's funny that you said uh, you've been told that you have an old soul. Do you think that's something that you just simply like you just simply have it? Or do you think that was kind of bestowed upon you through all the Mm. antiquing that you had to do growing up?
3: See it's it's interesting cuz you um I also grew up with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. So however, I've definitely grown up and even now definitely feel like I'm just in a foreign world. And and because it, it's such a deep seated feeling like what am I doing here? This doesn't feel right. This doesn't align or I find myself kind of stepping back from the groups and and feeling confused and just you know distant. Uh, mm-hmm. I definitely do agree that I I have an old soul because of how deep those feelings go. Hmm.
0: I I've I've actually talked to Justin about this before uh, on multiple occasions, at least off air, where uh I I mean I'm very imaginative, so I don't know if that plays into it at all. But there are so many mm-hmm. times where I'm out in nature. And it all just seems kind of dull in many ways. Mm. And I'm always thinking, is there more? You know, what, what, there has to be something much more fascinating, much more like grand than what is currently here. And, Mm. you know, with all the research and all the people I've talked to, obviously depression plays into a bit of that. But also there's this Mm. idea that because we came from something that was much grander than, what creation currently is. Uh, right. we may not be able to, in my case, you know, I, I don't know what can be what I, where I was before I became me now. Uh, but there may be subconsciously something back there that says, okay, there's, there is more. And that's why you're not enjoying some of what the world has to offer because you know, mm-hmm. there's something grander than, you know the latest TV show or the park down the street. You know, there and and of course I always also tend to find myself more, I guess, more in tune with with uh, nature, like with animals and stuff, than I do with mm. people. And of course, I think right. that goes into uh, empathy. And uh, you know, when it comes to empathy, there there's so many different variants to it. Uh, but I don't know. Like, what do you what do you think? Like, is mm. is there for people who are on more of a spiritual path or, or who tend to delve into the paranormal, do you think a lot of people tend to have that kind of feeling where they just don't belong? And that's why we create these kind of groups uh, where we come together and can talk about this.
3: Well, I mean, it's, it's so interesting because it wasn't too long ago. So th- this, kind of, this kind of goes into my second book. Uh, the name of it is Paramorphosis and it's a word that I kind of, I just kind of smushed together the word paranormal and metamorphosis. And, you know, so basically the definition that I gave it was when you, now I'm not saying all, but you specifically an individual person begins to see a metamorphosis of their experiences when they're ghosts that they might've encountered or shadow entities that they might've encountered actually possibly maybe that is uh, screen memories. And they were ET in nature instead. Mm -hmm. And I have really been, I hit like the universe has been connecting me with more and more people where they're like, that's exactly it. That is what I'm going through right now. And through these conversations, not only did i realize that okay so some of us have these really old souls and we yearn for times past but there's also those of us who really aren't from here mm-hmm. and so there are those people that they kind of step back and they go like one of the one of the sentences that i've said to my close friends is go i go wow I really don't understand humans <laughs> and and I feel like I don't because there's, there's a lot of concepts and a lot of behavior that I go, man, really? Mm-hmm. And so I agree with what you're saying. What you're feeling is completely valid. And maybe you're not from here. Maybe in a past life, you were somewhere else out in the universe. You were, you know, you could have been a Pleiadian or you know, whatever, I'm still learning about all the different kinds that there are. Uh, And then maybe you came here to, um, to learn something.
0: It's actually, it's really interesting that you, that you bring that up because one thing that I do have noticed my entire life is, you know, I can go see a grand waterfall, you know, like Angel Falls or even Niagara Falls or go to the ocean. And it's all just kind of Mm -hmm. like, cool, it's there. But every time the night, like the sun falls, the sun goes down and the mm-hmm. stars come out, my eyes are immediately and always on the sky. And I'm just in awe by it. Like,
3: Aww.
0: what's out there? You know, it's it's also, uh, I don't know, it's, it's so much deeper, I guess, uh, looking at the stars, right. even though in my particular area, Cleveland, Ohio, there, there's a lot of light pollution. So what few stars I do see is still more than enough to be like, oh that's where they, that's, there's something out there, you know, there, there's more to mm. this world, but um, yeah. What, I mean, what brought you, I, I know I've seen you post stuff uh, on Facebook and you had mentioned learning about the, uh, just now about the, like the different races uh, of extraterrestrial, what, what, what brought you into uh, the study of extraterrestrials?
3: Well, (laughs) so it's, it's funny because in the opening of my book, I I speak about aperture in the veil. And I mentioned that in that book, I went through every single experience that I've had from birth till now, except for one. And that one particular experience is where this next book starts. I actually had a hypnotic regression over this um, incident. If I guess we'll call it an incident. Uh and also in my book, uh, there is a photograph of a upright looking alien, if you will. Um just to go into the story a little bit for the audience, I was standing out on the patio. And again, you know, just like you, I was in awe of the stars and I was so excited because I was writing for the little, there's like a little newspaper that went out, you know, every month for the the residents there. And I was like, oh, Earth Hour is coming up, and I want I want to participate because we're right on the edge of town, and the stars would have been so beautiful, and that is where my headspace was. Well, then all of a sudden, I see this big cloud of smoke, and it confused me because I thought, okay, somebody vaping, and this is like a massive cloud, and so I'm looking for the person, and I don't see anything, but this, this cloud is it's taking form. And it becomes this upright walking humanoid thing that I watched. I literally watched it walk down the street. And then all of a sudden, it's like it just passes through an invisible door and it's gone. And with all the experiences that I've had, I mean, I was really shook up because this is something that happened right before my eyes and I had ran, you know, of course, I don't have fight or flight. I have freeze. And so (laughs) once I was able to break that, I get inside and I shut the patio door and I realized that my children's window was still open. And if this thing can just pop out of nowhere, you know, of course, I'm wanting to just, I mean, false security, of course, but whatever I was said, I need to get in there and I need to shut the, the window and close the blinds. And I was on the phone with my sister. So I already had my phone up and she was on speakerphone at this point and something drew my eyes up. I felt like I was being stared at. So I look up and there in the window it's the same shape, the exact same shape. And and you can just it's like it's staring at you. Kind of like I know that you saw me. I know that you witnessed that. So boom, I take a picture and I release the blinds. <laughs> Everything's closed, you know. And it was so, so jarring. I didn't talk about it for about a year. And then I finally, you know, I finally came out with it and shared the picture. And I think my, my biggest fear was if I talk about this, if I share this, is there still an energetic connection between myself and this thing? Could it make it come back? Luckily it has not. (laughs) And, um, But my father, so going way back, my father was in the military and I still don't quite understand what his job was. I know that there was secret clearance. He still won't, you know, anytime I ask anything, he goes, I swam with the jellyfishes. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) that's great, dad. Thanks. And, uh, you know, so here I was, I was like four or five years old. And I said, I think it was about five or so. And he, he would tell me these different things. And I remember eventually I asked him, I said, well, how can you tell the difference between a UFO and a, and a shooting star or a plane? And he pointed it out. And we actually saw them quite frequently above our house. And then eventually I said, well, dad, you know, are there good aliens and bad aliens? And very matter of factly, he says, yes, just like there are good people and bad people. Okay. When you talk like that and you're a child, seriously, there's something behind that. This isn't just, you're not playing around. At least that's the way that I look at it. Mm -hmm. And um, gosh, and then, you know, ever since then, if I would talk about the UFO phenomena or try to talk about my dad or what have you, um our phone lines would get uh cut off we we wouldn't be able to use the phone uh as I grew older and then uh (laughs) I'm gonna age myself here when we uh finally got a computer (laughs) (laughs) uh our internet was also interfered with when I was trying to do research so uh fast forward to this year And I had finally decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to research this topic. Um, Nothing's happened in a really long time. So I'm going to go for it. And uh, boom, right after that, uh, my children and myself experienced two hours of missing time. So (laughs) obviously things are still uh, kind of going on. And And then eventually I connected with a hypnotherapist and we did a regression. We only did one, uh, because in, in my experience, I was laying in bed and it was strange. There was, there was a male presence in my room and it was as if he was going around each corner of my bed and it had my attention. This is where my intention was or attention. And. I eventually think I'm like, okay, he's on the left side of the bed, but no, he ends up on the right side and he touches my lower back. And ever since then, I have felt like even to today, that spot in my back is different. It's like, there's something there. That feeling has never went away. Well, well I did the regression and I. <laughs> standing at the foot of my bed so so it was strange because it was like the man that was going around the foot of my bed it was almost like he was a hologram like he wasn't real it was a projection or something but standing at the foot of my bed was this thing this being that I I'd never seen anything like it before but what was so weird is when I came home and I googled you know because I was like seriously like reptilians are we really going to get into the different species here and there was a book it was i can't remember the name of it it's extraterrestrial the encyclopedia of extraterrestrials i think um but the face was on the cover of that book like the exact face and i had never seen that before ever so it was really jarring so it's been it's been quite a while a wild ride
2: wow so here's a question for you. Now you're you're talking about, um, hypnotic regression and, and having mm-hmm. a a visitation or or abduction, but the the right. being that kind of appeared out of a cloud or, or a mist or whatever f- for you, um, how can you not be sure that that wasn't a, some other type of entity or even like a, a thought form?
3: I don't know. I, you know i was so scared like these particular ones i i've been so scared to dive into that i i have a lot to learn (laughs) for sure you know and the more i look (laughs) into this stuff the more i learn the more i realize you know what i don't know that we're all students and we that's what we will always be is the eternal student
0: right well uh, one more question regarding this though um just jumping back to when you had that first initial encounter with like the, the smoke, like being, Mm -hmm. uh, what was it that scared you about it? Was it, was it, I mean, was there a certain Mm. negative feeling towards it or, I mean, I don't know. I it's, it's hard. Like, I feel like sometimes, uh, when, at least in my experience, when something's negative, it's because it's pretty, damn negative in my life. It's doing something right. uh, to make itself known that it's negative. But w- what happened there? Was it just a feeling or?
3: Um, see, OK, if my so my grandfather, he passed away in 2011. OK. And, uh, you know, he did come back to me, but it was in a dream something that, you know, cause I had asked him when I was really young, I said, you know, when you, when you go, can you come back and say goodbye to me? And he was, you know, of course, well he did. And, but it was in the, you know, in a dream. I'll be honest. If grandpa was to manifest right now at the end of my bed, I'm going to be scared. <laughs> it's going to startle me, even though it's grandpa, because the, the fact is, This stuff is so real, hence the word preternatural on my book. It's Mm -hmm. This stuff isn't like supernatural, paranormal, even though those are the words that we use. All of this is very natural to our world. It's just that we don't always see or hear everything that's going on around us. We're not vibrating on all these different frequencies that are going on. So when there is proof, when it is standing... (laughs) right there in front of you it it really magnifies all the other experiences that you've had because it's, again it's that uh it's solidifying yes this exists
2: mm-hmm. all right lady Anne. well it is about that time where we usually let our guests go so i want to give it to you to tell everybody where they can find you find the book the mic's all yours
3: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been absolutely incredible. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Anne Celine. And the Caravan Library of Lore is everywhere. You can type that into Google. It'll bring up the website. You can go to uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and I have a group page for it and a regular Facebook page. Uh, KPNL Radio, same thing. It's uh, kpnl-db.com for the website. And then again, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just KPNL Radio. And then my book, Aperture in the Veil, Born in a Preternatural World. If you're interested in an Author signed copy. You can always send me a message on Facebook or just type it into Amazon.
2: Awesome, Lady Anne. Thank you for being on paratruth Radio. Thank you. All right, folks. That was Lady Anne, author of *Aperture in the Veil*, *Born in a Preternatural World*, Di- *The Diaries of Lady Anne*. Very awesome guest. Uh, I I truly enjoyed having her on. But it is that time to go to Eric's Random Fact of the Day, a quick commercial, and we will be right back with Fairtruth Radio.
3: Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day.
0: It's impressive that scientists have been able to harness energy from the sun, wind, and water providing us with all kinds of alternative sources of power. However, did you know that there's now a device that creates energy from snowfall? According to bestlifeonline.com, a 2019 study in the journal Nano Energy, engineers and chemists from the University of California, Los Angeles, have developed a device made of silicone that can harness a charge from static electricity. Snow is positively charged and gives up electrons, while silicone is negatively charged and accept the electrons, according to the IFL science. So as the snow lands on the silicone, a charge is produced and then captured. It's very much like a spark of energy that you would create when rubbing a balloon against your hair. <laughs> greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you the information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers i know most people don't like ads but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on what's up everybody welcome back to pear tooth radio as always my name is eric and i'm justin and we're glad you didn't change the channel on us if you're still listening (laughs) um so i mean there's there's so many (laughs) things i'm thinking about uh regarding the conversation but then just also in general with uh various things we've talked about in the past but one thing that i do find very in interesting i guess um is the human fear factor uh of something that we don't understand Mm -hmm. right away uh you know when she was talking about the the smoke entity um you know it's it's true it's unsettling you know and even even now in my own house you know i mean everyone knows that this house is haunted but um Every once in a while, I walk past my my stairs leading up to the second floor, and I'm all, I don't know why, but I'm always waiting to catch that shadow figure jump, you know, walk from one side to the other. It's never happened. I haven't seen a shadow figure up those stairs before, <laughs> but every night, uh, it kind of I irrationally think it's going to happen, and I already got myself spooked out, ready for it. And I know that if it happened. And my heart would be racing 100, and I'd be like, I'd be at my parents, <laughs> sleeping on their couch, probably. <laughs> um, I mean, what do you what do you think it is uh, about? Just the, I guess the the fair factor behind the human conscious when, when when it comes to seeing things we don't quite
2: understand or don't expect. I mean, you you really have to delve into. The psyche to to and even looking back at history, um, fear has kept us alive. Um, if you believe in evolution, where we were monkeys at one point and we had to climb to into the trees to get away from predators, mm-hmm. even as humans or, or um, uh, Neanderthals, you had to escape the the bigger uh the bigger animals so i mean really it has kept us alive now with that being said um when we fear other humans just because they look different it's that same thing but it it should not be that way because why would you be afraid of somebody that's just like you unless we have some type of weird sixth sense that picks up on somebody who is going to be harmful to you right.
0: um, no I think you know I, I think at least in terms of being afraid of other people I, I think a lot of or majority of humanity they, they like to say you know so many people like to say oh no I, I never judge a person based on how they look it's bull everybody yeah. judges somebody you know it, it it's all about the cover sometimes and what's interesting is uh, my sister, uh, has a friend who this guy and his friend were bullied growing up. And so they got themselves just tatted up like crazy, up their arms and all this stuff, because they believed that if they were all tattooed, they would no longer be picked on or bullied or whatever. And surprisingly, it actually worked. They, I mean, they're, yes, they're in their, their 30s now, but I guess even you know in the late or early adult years, they were still being bullied. So it goes to show, at least in that sense, that uh, the look of someone can certainly be off-putting and drive people uh, from, from, you know, bothering them. When it comes to the spiritual stuff or extraterrestrials or anything like that, one thing that I do think is really frightening about it is unlike being in the world and being around people you don't want to be around, all we have to do is get into a car and leave. We can lock our door and lock out the world, right? We can shut it out. Mm -hmm. Spiritual entities... Eat teas, things like that. It's not easy to get away from. You lock the door, they follow you in. You go to sleep, they're there in your dreams. And I think that's one thing that's just extra um, frightening about entities like that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that I've woken up with paralysis, uh, seeing something on the side of my bed or holding me down. You know, it's it's a frightening thing. And there's times where I'll go to bed, uh, especially on like there there are nights where I just I feel like something's going to be off. Something's not going to Be right that night. And then I end up waking up uh with the entity uh you know over top of me or whatever. And again, that could, of course, psychologists say, Well, it's all psyche. You have the anxiety already, you have the stress, that's all it is, blah, blah, blah. But it's like being around uh just spiritual entities in general, um, let alone dark ones. I I feel like I've definitely note the difference between what is my anxiety and what is something um, beyond my scope of understanding. Uh, But I think the, I think you're right though. The fear factor is, is something that is ingrained to keep us on our toes. The problem is with the spiritual side is there's really nothing we can do about it other than trying to, of course, create that shield, uh, the psychic shield or,
2: Cutting off um attachments and things like that, but even that doesn't always work right well when it when it comes to supernatural stuff, I think what why people get afraid of it is because like you said um it's something you can't control, and people don't like feeling like they're not in control of their life or their body, sure so um i mean even even today um I haven't had any like made major instances of entities being around or anything like that. But when I go upstairs in the morning um, and just before I leave, I'll open the blinds so that my dog Sarge has a way to look out when he gets up. But every time I open them, I'm like, there's something gonna be behind. <laughs> there's gonna be something <laughs> behind this. As soon as I pull it up, and every morning there's not, but every morning is the same. I pull them up I'm like there's something's gonna be behind this this blind. There's gonna be something that's staring at me. Um, and the one day that you let your guard down is the day it'll be there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so maybe I should just be afraid. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> will show up. <laughs> uh, But the weird thing is, is it's actually since being in this house and and doing that every morning, I've had this weird fear of black-eyed children being at the window when I open the blind. Hmm. I can't explain it. Um, We haven't talked about the black-eyed kids in a really long time, so it's not like it's fresh in my mind. Um, But when the black-eyed kids isn't there and I go to the next one, I'm like, there's going to be a gray behind this. There's going to be a gray behind this blind and there's nothing. Um, I mean, as of late, we've been talking about extraterrestrials, but the black eyed kids kind of, and maybe it's just because maybe there is something here that I can't see or, or it's not making itself known to me. And so my body's reacting in fear. I don't know.
0: It's very possible. I mean, it's, again I think it's for 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 things like that I think a lot of it has to it is what do you call it, like um we' are I mean we're basically taught to fear things that we shouldn't fear you know it, it's mm. it, it's become you know movies especially we've talked about movies so many times uh, regarding about how things like movies or television can trigger people into seeing things or even fearing things that they shouldn't have to fear and shouldn't fear. Um, You know, the idea of opening up a shade uh, at night and thinking there's going to be a face there looking at you. That's very, very, very rare, you know? Um, But nonetheless, we're worried about it. Same with like the mirror. I, you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: especially at night. I can't
2: look at a mirror straight out in the
0: mirror. No, (laughs) you know, and when I do, I got to take a breath that Patriots can do fast Get my feet into ready motion so I don't have to turn too hard and pull something so I can just, you know, if if it's there,
2: dog, gone down the stairs, grab the keys. Bye bye. The yeah. day that my face turns in the mirror and I haven't turned, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna be running out the freaking door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had never been afraid of mirrors until, I mean, a we've talked about it a, long, a lot since starting paranormal podcasting and B seeing the movie mirrors with, um, uh, Oh, what the hell is his name? Kiefer Sutherland. Mm -hmm. After seeing that movie, I'm like, I cannot look at a mirror the same ever again. Thanks Kiefer. (laughs) (sighs) But all right, that is pretty much it. Um, so make sure you're checking out Lady Anne and her book Aperture in the Veil. Um, it was a very good book. I, I would highly recommend anybody who's had a paranormal type life uh, read it because I think you'll associate with a lot what Lady Anne has to say. Um, next week, uh, it's just going to be Eric and I. Uh we haven't decided if it's going to be a down the rabbit hole or a specific topic yet, but stay tuned for that. Um, we got a lot of other guests lined up or going to be lined up for Paratruth Radio, and, um, make sure you're checking out Evergreen Podcasts and KillerPodcasts.com to support that network and all of our fellow podcasters. Oh, um, one thing I did want to bring up, um, because it just recently happened. Uh, we did lose a very dear friend and fellow podcaster, uh, Kay Carswell from Deception Detection Radio. Um, so please make sure you keep her family and friends in thoughts and prayer because uh, she was a very sweet lady and uh, treated Eric and I like like family. Mm-hmm. Um, and she will be missed greatly. So until next week, folks, where you'll find us same time same channel. My name is Justin.
0: And I'm Eric. Peace.